we are introduced Shank? to Shank, who I refer to young... in my notes as uh, Discount Helena Bottom Carter. Yes, yes. I was just going to say, I was going to be like, clearly very young Helena Bonham Carter. Welcome to B-Siders, a podcast to discuss and deconstruct perfectly adequate movies. Not good movies, not bad movies, just fine movies. So fine, in fact, you probably forgot they even exist. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. And while we may be uh, not nearly as forgettable as these films, we probably run a close second. That's right. Adequate films for adequate folks. Josh? Yeah, so apparently when everybody was uh, working from home for COVID, it was a good time for the voice actors. Ah, uh, um, yes. And some of them were able to put the money together to, like, outfit a proper, like, soundproofing room where they can do all their <laughs> shit. And then there were some people, like, professionals that, you know, we would all know and recognize that were like, yeah, I was just wrapped up in a comforter in my closet doing my best. <laughs> See, and... And, and, and like the more that like I, I start to hear about things like that, the more that I'm like, I mean, does all that soundproofing stuff really make a difference? I mean, like it was like you were saying last week, maybe to an audiophile, maybe somebody who's like, you know, cares about what kind of vinyl player they use. I don't, I don't know. But like for most people, can they really hear the difference? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I would imagine that people would be like, oh, yeah, I can't tell the difference. But then, like, it's probably like upgrading from, like, cassette to CD. And they were like, oh, this is much better. Like, I don't know. I Hang on. I, I need to know how and why you have a cassette tape that, <laughs> like, that seemed teed up. <laughs> that almost seemed artificial. I have questions. It, it literally came to me as I was like spewing the sentence because I wanted to do a comparison and I was like, oh, I've got a cassette right over here. Um, it is it is the soundtrack to the first live action Ninja Turtles. Um, oh, I don't have a God. cassette player, but I have this cassette. So my my girlfriend and I right now are into like retro forms of audio and there is a really cool like secondhand warehouse near our place called McKay's and uh, they get all kinds of odd shit in. And so now we go back like once every other week to see if there are any good finds. And we recently picked up a Walkman, like an original and a couple of cassettes to listen. I listened to Rod Stewart on a Walkman the other day and it was wonderful. So question, is it tape deck and radio or just tape deck? Uh, tape deck and radio. Okay. So your battery is going to die super quick on the tape deck part <laughs> uh, because no, I'd like, so my first, my first Walkman was a tech, a, a tape deck radio and, but yeah. the cassette player would die so quick Oh, but when I switched to the radio, I had like days of, of radio left. So there was something interesting in how, how much energy that thing required interesting. For radio broadcast versus spinning those wheels very interesting i wonder if that is it it's like actually powering the mechanism sucks Mm -hmm. the battery life out of it or something yeah because it's an actual like mechanic that's like right yeah i don't know but yeah i always thought that was very interesting that is interesting uh and it's it's actually timely too because uh kathy ireland does have to trade in her walkman in alien from la at one point for a disguise what a great segue Uh, today's episode, we are going to discuss our inaugural episode, I should say. Inaugural we are going to start yeah. with uh, 
1988 classic Alien from L.A., which is fine in a very loose use of the word fine. Uh, it's kind of bad. I, but- I was going to say, I, I think this one is, of all of them that we have picked out so far, is probably going to bend that definition the hardest. Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. But there's a lot of cool stuff that this film brought to mind that I want to discuss and make the case that it is fine and deserves another look at. Okay. All right. I love uh, that. So I, I, I want to start real quick with some very interesting trivia that I uncovered in the watching of this, because as I was like, like ruminating on the movie as it was going on, I was like, God, this more and more feels like an odd retelling of journey to the center of the earth by Jules Verne. Yes. And so I looked into it and I actually, the note that I wrote myself uh, in, in my, my notes literally says stop hammer time. Uh, One of the writers of this movie also wrote a journey to the center of the earth film in the same year. (laughs) So in 1988, Mm -hmm. one of the writers released alien from LA and a journey to the center, a proper journey to the center of the uh, the Earth movie. Same year, uh, the director slash also part of a writer. Um, he's the guy that did the acclaimed "The Sword and the Sorcerer," which is one of the great all time abysmal like Conan ripoffs of the early eighties, and the nineteen ninety Captain America movie. So I just want to tee oh. this movie up with that <laughs> knowledge. Okay. He, so yes, there we there there's our there's our trivia for the the, the get go. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you with some of my own. Um, I can't wait. The name Sack Newsom is actually <laughs> taken from Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth. I should know that. Yeah. Well, so I'm looking into. <laughs> I was looking into it a little bit, and you're like, and I'm like, okay, this is. Um, supposed to be kind of a nod to Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yep. Kind of. Uh, so Journey to the Center of the Earth is a very popular story for yep. filmmakers to go after. They've apparently been doing like a version of Journey to the Center of Earth since they knew how to make movies. Like every 10 um, years. Isn't there a Brendan Fraser one? There's a Brendan Fraser one. And then yeah. a couple of years later, a, a sequel that's supposed to be... Um, based on the Jules Verne sequel, The Island or The Hidden Island or something like that. Oh, oh okay. Which I've never, which I've never read. Yeah, um, me either. So I was like, oh, wow, this is supposed to be Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, it's kind of interesting because society, humanity, or the, the, the creative types seem to have been fascinated for a long time with um, hollow earth theory. Yes, the I idea... had a call out about this and the hollow earth from uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is a really good, very recent example is like, yeah. we have for a long time, just had this idea that uh, humanity's had this idea that you dig, you go down far enough in the planet and you are going to come across some sort of sub civilization or sub ecosystem, or there might be fucking dinosaurs yep. or something like that. Um, it's, I was like, this is, this is kind of wild. Uh, Jules Verne did not pioneer this concept. 
there are hollow earth stories that predate him. No kidding. Uh, there's a, yeah, there's a term for this. Uh, and I didn't, I did not write that down. Um, so I'm just going with hollow earth theory. Cause I yeah, yeah. And, uh, also I think it's colloquial. Yep. <laughs> um, but he definitely popularized it. Okay. And people read journey to the center of the earth. And that really helped kind of kick things off. Uh, like Arthur Conan Doyle writing his lost world stories yep. and uh, you know, all the way up through. And then, you know, a hundred or so years later, this guy would make alien from LA. Um, <laughs> We in in our in our practice round we we talked about like could we draw a direct link between Tenet and uh, what was it it was something suitably ridiculous. Oh, um, I have to go back and listen. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, and and now here we are drawing a direct link between the great works of Jules Verne and 1988's Alien from L.A., which yes. I mean, <laughs> obviously you know, informed by, but yeah. So you know another film. Uh, that features a e- interesting spin on the hollow earth theory. Okay. Uh, a film that you want to cover and I do not. Super Is it Mario Super Mario Brothers? Brothers. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. The more yes. I was watching yes. Alien from LA, the more I was like, dude. Okay. This is also Super Mario Brothers. So it's interesting you brought that up because this movie, the more I like really dug into it, because I I did, I did two passes at it. Once was just to get general impressions and one was then to like really like dig into it. This movie has homages to the Wizard of Oz, Raiders Mm -hmm. of the Lost Ark, Mm -hmm. uh, Blade Runner, arguably, uh, and like 1970s, like Kung Fu action movies, because the, I think it's. The the fight with is it Charmin, the toilet guy named after toilet paper. Yes, um, yes. Uh, the backlighting in that scene. I don't know if you remember it, but it's all oh, white sure. window. Yeah, and I was like, this looks like a seventies kung fu action movie. Um, so yeah, this is. I, I feel like this director read Journey to the Center of the Earth and said, okay, uh, I'm going to take elements of Wizard of Oz, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Blade Runner. I also have notes. The cosmetology jobs look a lot like Big Trouble in Little China. So I I feel like there's a lot of that pulled into it. And a little bit of the Warriors. Um, The uh, uh, Warriors. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Membino, Boss of Bosses. Uh, His, like, little, his, his thugs their face paint makes them look like the baseball furies from the warriors. Okay. Yeah. So I just, I, there, there seems to be such a degree of unoriginality in this film that it's borderline astonishing. (laughs) So I was really struggling watching this film, trying to figure out what it is. Okay. Because I'm like alien from LA. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, we're going to spoil it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to spoil a lot uh, of it. Yeah. They, you follow the sand of the earth. You find this subterranean civilization uh, that's apparently Atlantis. Um, yep. And it's inhabited by a very Orwellian society. Very dystopian. Very dystopian. Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, so it's a sci-fi. But is it? Because it opens with, <laughs> well, it op- it opens with a once upon a time and it ends with, uh, and they lived happily and they ever lived after. Lived so I'm like, oh okay, my. so it's supposedly supposed to be a fairy tale. Kind of a fairy um, tale, yep. 
And I'm like, and is it supposed to be a comedy? Because this movie is really funny in some moments, but I don't know if it's supposed to be. I I had exactly the same. I have notes throughout where I, I question exactly that concept. Do we think this movie was written seriously? Um, because the dialogue is almost so painfully obvious that it borders on satire. And I wonder, because here's the thing, if this is a satire, no notes, perfectly done, knocked it out of the park, you guys killed it. If this movie was written seriously, I have questions. Yeah, so I would say, I would argue that this movie is more of a rip off of Wizard of Oz than Journey to the Center of the Earth. Because you have a woman who just gets transported to a completely new place. Um, Yep. She has to she find does her way say, home. She does say we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, she makes a, a, a blatant reference. Blatant reference, um, yep. They get back home through uh, a hot air-ish looking device. That's hot a air good balloon-ish. catch. How did I miss that? That's a um, good catch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of interesting elements there. Right. Um, yep. So I was, yeah. I was like, maybe... Maybe a little more fairy tale Wizard of Oz feeling going on. Plus, there's characters that kind of talk like this. So, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, um, I do want to take a, a moment and pause that Membino, boss of bosses. I'm going to say boss it every of time. Bosses. It's Deep Roy. It's Deep Roy. Oh my! How do you not know who Deep Roy? Okay, um, mm-hmm. you know the uh, best. The thing he's best known for um, these days is uh, the uh, Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, and the Chocolate Factory movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. You, that's him. No, I spent the movie going like this guy reminds me of someone. It's Deep Roy. So I am really lamenting. By the way, uh, just aside, I am really lamenting that this movie's not on Amazon Prime anymore because I really <sighs> love the X-ray feature where it just pulls up like any and all trivia things you could want to know while you're watching a uh, film on there. Yeah. Uh, Cause I feel like that could have been really helpful. Um, I tried to, I tried to cross reference with um, IMDB, but I would find that I'd like, I, I'd be reading and then I'd miss things that were happening on screen. And I'm like, ah, damn it. Now I got to go back and watch this again and take my notes. So I, yeah, I had to. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Oh, the other reason why I was arguing that this uh, movie is a fairy tale is because apparently there was a thunderstorm about to happen in LA. Um <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the movie uh she's in malibu beach and there's like thunder and people going oh, I'm like really yeah yep <laughs> with three weeks of august left really yeah not so much no 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 um i'm gonna tell you right now stacy is the best character in this movie um the best friend the best friend um, at the beginning who's just like so disinterested like cannot this, be bothered this woman does not know why she's there uh but you know she is apparently wanda's best friend uh and like she doesn't believe in bullshit she's no she does not she cuts right to the chase like i don't know why he broke up with me he doesn't like you anymore like he doesn't like you anymore yeah (laughs) you should have gone blonder thanks um best and she has the best line in the entire fucking film uh go for it best line where wanda in what is clearly someone's really bad script writing job being like, Oh, I can't take all this rejection. My boyfriend's oh, breaking up with me. My dad left me. So obvious. Well, the dialogue is so obvious. Go, go ahead. Well, yep. He's an explorer. 
And then he's like, she's like, and then my mom left me. And she's like, she died. In, she she died in a car accident. By a car. She, she didn't, didn't have leave. a choice. <laughs> but even that line is which, delivered while she's like doing something else. So she's just kind of absent-minded about it. Which like when you, when you pull that moment apart and you distill it to what it actually is, this is really tragic. You have this girl whose mother was killed in a car accident in a, and we learn this in a line that is jokingly delivered. Like it, mm-hmm. it is, there is no like gravitas at all to it. And her dad has been like, you know, vanished for, for some years. It, it is all delivered in a manner that is completely non-serious. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, and, and the, the dialogue does not function on a human level. It's just not how people talk. It's how you, no. you would, you would think of somebody when they're trying to write dialogue. That's, I think the, the most interesting thing about the way that a lot of this movie is written, it sounds to me like somebody trying to write dialogue, not actually listening to how people talk and, and deliver on a moment like this, which oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to argue. Um, I wonder how much of this script was written at the time oh, of filming. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I did come across a little thing that was talking about, you know, they were trying to cast this movie and whatever. And Kathy Ireland came in and okay. they were immediately struck by one, how tall she was. Yes. She's like and, 5'11", right? Uh, 5'10", I believe. Okay. Um, And also like, how incongruous that is with her voice and <laughs> what is all over this film, but her voice, her voice people g- commenting on how annoying her voice is, which is a little mean. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> when that's your actual voice, it's like, well, come on now. <laughs> like, wait, is that her? Cause I, I, I did go and watch some interviews with her to try and like, cause I was like, is that her real voice? I, she is playing it up. Right. I feel like, Actually, I feel in that like scene she's with... probably playing it up a little. Yeah, because I was to say in that scene with Stacy, where the car rolls up, I think you get a hint of her real voice. Like when she's like, "I can't take all this rejection." It's a little bit more um, chest speaking. It's not quite as much like head speaking and nasally. And so I feel like that's closer to what her real voice probably is. Because mm-hmm. I actually kind of want to give Kathy Ireland kudos for her performance in this movie because I think she tried. And I think that that's more than a lot of other people who were in this film can say that they they did. Well, yeah. So when I'm looking at uh, the IMDb, it seemed like this was her first film role. Yes. It, it, so it prior absolutely. to this, she'd just been modeling. I mean, when you take models and try to make them act, you can have various <laughs> degrees of uh, failure. But here's here's what I here's what I want to argue one way or the other, because um, I, I have a counter example queued up how much of it is her acting ability and how much of it is the writing itself? Because I think you can take a phenomenal actress, like uh, the, the example that comes to mind is Natalie Portman in the star Wars movies. And she seems like she kind of trundles through those roles a little bit because the writing is so terrible. Like the writing is just bad. And so it's, you cannot act your way out of terrible writing. And to have an inexperienced actress with a bad script, I think, leads to just tragic results, as in the case of Alien from L.A. Yeah, so that was fantastic. Just uh, Stacy with the line there. Also, it, it, we figure out that uh, Wanda lives and works with her aunt, Auntie Pearl. Another another yeah. Wizard of Oz illusion there, because she Dorothy has an Auntie M. 
not parents. Love that. That's a that's another good catch. I I wanna I wanna hold on this like for just a moment though. How old are these characters supposed to be? Yes. So I'm like they. I was like Kathy's got to be in her early twenties. She well, in the... acts like a teenager. Yeah, Wanda. Like Wanda. Wanda. Needs, okay. Yeah. 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 Wanda yep. needs to be. She's got to be in because... early twenties. She manages to get herself all the way to Africa on her own, which does not seem within the capacity of a high schooler. But at the and same she time, she is terrified of flying. You know this. You... <laughs> I'm terrified of flying. You know this. Uh, by the way, that that scene is a little brutal on the beach, uh, but it's kind of Wanda's fault. Uh, because he is tr- like Robbie he is, is trying, trying. To be nice about it. He's like, I don't, he did not want to have this conversation in the first place. That's why it's nope. on the voicemail. Um, it's just like, you know, and today that guy might have sent a breakup text yeah. and he may have just ghosted. Uh, like that's, you know, that's breaking up on the, the voicemail there on the answering machine. But he's just like, look, you're scared of doing stuff. He gives, arguably legitimate reasons and she can't accept that and keeps pushing and he's like all right i'm gonna double down and like really push you away and then it gets it gets a little here's everything superficially wrong with you it gets a little Uh, rough at that point it actually gets uh, yeah that's that that scene is uncomfortable (laughs) and then she kind of turns into irma from ninja turtles there a little bit she's like oh well why do you do this (laughs) irma from ninja turtles that's a good call out (laughs) so her actually now that you mentioned that her wardrobe looks a little like irma's um and i do want to call out that wanda's wardrobe in 1988 is peak 2022 gen z like she's it's it's just right on kind of yeah but uh, yeah i mean that was just i kept watching this movie going this was 88 I felt like it yeah. should have been earlier eighties, but I was like, no, this was 88 and like yep. edging into the nineties where, yeah, everybody wore unnecessarily big clothes and shoulder pads uh-huh. and stuff. Exactly. Um, That's something else that I pointed out was nobody's clothes in this movie seem to fit right. Like everybody seems to be swimming in their clothes. Like absolutely uh, it, swimming in them yes. to an odd degree. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. it, that's one of those things too, where it was like, was, uh, was that an intentional choice? Or people like go down to the consignment, grab whatever we got, which, which and that's that. I mean, it's a good question. Is was that an intentional choice? It's it, this movie is an onion of potential satire. Like there's just every time you get to a layer, you could be like, was this done for a reason? Were they, you know, was there a purpose behind it? Did they have some? Was it an artistic choice, or like you said, did they just had uh, they had a budget of you know six dollars seventy five cents and whatever they could get from the goodwill is what was going to make it into the film. Yes. But yeah. Okay. So the film starts and we're like, Oh, this, you know, we're going to get one of these movies where this girl deals with rejection has to, you know, sure. Find who she is as a woman. And then the movie's like almost, but not quite. And like (laughs) the tone shifts completely when you go to Africa and meet the dad. Uh, Oh, (laughs) Like okay. the the hard like the, the subtitles on YouTube read like hard Oriental music, which I was like, that's probably oh, oh, oh. not uh, the most appropriate <laughs> that's, descriptor. <laughs> that's not that's not great. Uh, um, but, all right, 
I, I like, by the way, that I forget what the guy's name is, but her, her dad's like partner that she meets mentions that he has spent the last 10 years searching for the center of the earth. I think we know where the center of the earth is. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's right. Yeah. There's not much searching for it. <laughs> searching for something at the center of the earth might have been more appropriate, but the mm -hmm. line he's searching for the center of the earth sent me overboard with fits of laughter. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure we know where it is. <laughs> well, not only that, but he's like, Oh, the digs right down there in my basement. <laughs> exactly. Like we just built a house like, over it. We've been looking for it. It was here the whole time. It was here the whole time. Turns out. <laughs> I just um, found the key for this door. And I... speaking of the key to the door, why does an Atlantean tomb have a Rube Goldberg machine that launches corpses? I wrote it down. <laughs> I was like, that, that was another one of those moments where I was like, this must be supposed to be a comedy. Like, right. Just the whole thing. I was like, really? Exactly. I was like, to establish why Wanda would make the same damn mistake her father did and fall into this bottomless pit. Um, I'm gonna, this is one of the things that I have to point out because when I caught it, I did a bunch of rewinding and, and going back and forth because this is a weird detail that I, I don't know if you notice this. When we see him at the very beginning of the movie finding, like, you know, the entrance to Atlantis, he has in his hand a lantern. Which, when he finds the entrance, he sets the lantern down at the entrance and takes a flashlight out of his back pocket. I'm like, why does he have two sources of light in this tunnel? <laughs> but hold on. When Wanda gets down there, she goes to the workbench, picks up rope and a flashlight, gets to the entrance, finds a lantern, picks that up, shines it down the hallway. When she gets to the end, she sets the lantern down and takes the flashlight out. Why? Why are they? Why is there all this redundancy in the light that they're carrying? And why does one not work better than, than the other? What, what is like, going on? Here? Like father, like daughter. I, it's just you know, it was the symmetry. It was the oddest thing. And it was almost so strange that I was like, this has to be intentional. Because it's so weird for them to both have a lantern to a point, set it down, and then switch to flashlight. I don't know. It's, it's just... No, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that part. Uh, I did write down a flashlight note, and it's okay, go just for it. the moment... <laughs> well, it's, it's, the, it's the scene a minute later when the flashlight's not working anymore, and she's just like... Oh. And just <laughs> chucks this. it. Gone. Whatever. Yeah. Like, yes. It's, it's such a, like, wasteful, like... As uh, garbage I, like moments, she's just like. Eh. <laughs> I I have my note here is and with like ten A's, she tosses away a flashlight. Why does everyone abandon their light sources in this movie? <laughs> well, it died. I mean, the flashlight died. I, but she's like, I well, I have no use for this. Just Certainly gone. not as like a thing that could like protect me in case I come across unfamiliar voices in the subterranean earth. So this is where we switch from Raiders of the Lost Ark to Mad Max, because this suddenly gets very Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we meet uh, Gus, which is short for Guten Edway. Guten, Guten Edway. Uh, I have Edway. lots of notes about Gus, by the way. Uh, is one of the fact that he's Australian. He's not Australian. But he talks like he's Australian sometimes. It is the worst Australian accent. I, I actually uh, looked it up because I was like, is he? 
No, he is not Australian. He was born in Los Angeles. By the way, still doing uh, roles. He was recently on the Orville. Was he Australian? I don't think so. I don't think he's been Australian in anything he's done <laughs> since this. I think he tried it once. It was a creative choice. And every other director thereafter said, no, you are not Australian. It was just like, I don't know if they were like, okay, everybody in Atlantis has to have an unusual voice. What do you want? <laughs> I think so that's... Like, oh, I'll be Australian. Um, <laughs> is that what you think Australian? Is that what you think Australians? Yeah, what's wrong with my voice? Uh, no, it's fine. Also, there's a there's a um, kind of a escape from New York moment here, too. Everyone knows who Guten is. Why does everyone know Everybody does is? know. Yep, Everybody's they, like, they all ah, know. you're back. I haven't seen you. I'm like, how connected is this guy? It's either this that random or guy. Atlantis is a really small town. Like, I guess it's never really established the scope of Atlantis. He could be a local celebrity. I don't know, but you're right. He is. He is the snake Pliskin of this movie. Yeah. They're just like, you know, he, and he's just, he, he found a claim for some, some sort of, or did they mention it? What it is? They, they, well, so I actually have notes in here about the different kinds of uh, currencies that are mentioned. There are shiny ones, uh, dull, rusty ones, and like Langoliers or Langaloos or something like that. It's, it's when we get there, I'll, I, I have the note in front of me. Um, but it's never mentioned if he found an ore of shiny one or an ore of rusty, dull ones. Well, so, whatever it is, it's going to make him rich. It's going to make and him rich. So I'm inclined it. to say it's shiny ones. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, my note uh, is, why is Yoda's theme playing during the meeting of Mad Max and Lanny Boggs? Yes! Yes! <laughs> hearing this music, and I'm like, this is Star Wars. And initially I was like, was this the Leia and Han music? But I was like, no, that's not right. But yeah, it is like one chord off or something, but yes. it's very much Yoda's theme, right? It is It is absolutely Yoda's theme, 100%. These rip-off motherfuckers, like, just... I it's it, there it, again. This is the amount of unoriginality in this film is striking. Like it, it does not seem to have a single original thought. They cram a bunch of random shit in here and then they just do. are just hoping something will stick. So we go to Atlantis um, on the way. Oh, she tips a the car. How does Kathy Ireland's weight tip over a, an off-road vehicle that, is like for mining? Shouldn't it be kind it's of rugged? It's a very nonsense moment where I'm like, did this just happen? And they were like improving and people were like, you know what? Let's keep it. I think so. Because movie only has an hour, 23 minute runtime. You're, you're right. We, we are going to exceed the runtime of this movie just talking about it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a lot of stuff has happened by now in the movie. If people exactly. are yes. watching the movie. Um, okay. So we get to Atlantis. So then we get to Atlantis. But I want to say one more thing about. Uh, oh, yeah. Guys, I know we'll come back to him a few times, but um, <laughs> a lot of his lines and her lines, especially in this part when they meet, yeah. sound like they have been ADR. Oh, you uh, think so? Like, it sounds like they were not recorded. Like, it wasn't their dialogue there. It sounded like they had I mean, to record over it, especially his, because his voice is very inconsistent. Well, in and not only scenes. that, but there's there is no... There's no actual interplay in their dialogue. It's, I mean, they are talking past each other through that whole montage. Yeah, he's complaining about like the price of gas or some shit, and, and she, she's trying to tell her life. story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, they're they're not like talking. No, there's, but there's just there's different moments where like he's talking and stuff, and you're like, Whoa. 
I don't know. I know. I, I, I had notes on that too. It was just very odd that there was, it, it seems unscripted, but again, that, that just kind of speaks to the sort of like loose, uh, almost improvisational nature of this movie. <laughs> like they were just making things up as they go along. And, uh, and I couldn't figure out again, is this just that kind of a dialogue in the scene? Or I think what you pointed out, that's probably much more likely is it was, they fixed it in post. <laughs> just fix it in post. <laughs> just fix it in post. <laughs> um, so we we get introduced to Atlantis, and yeah. it's a very uh, I would say yeah, like there was some Mad Max elements or like Blade Runner elements Blade to Runner, their society. Yeah. Also, very nineteen eighty four, um, like Orwellian thing yes. where you know the media is controlled, and they're like, there's no such like thing as uh -huh. aliens, and none of these things are going on, and that, it's believe it. <laughs> I and I'm I'm looking at my my notes for these this area. There is some feeling of total recall in this as well. Like when they're on Mars, like just oh, kind of okay. like the disjointed nature of the city and like the strange denizens all walking around. Like that was something else that this reminded me of was a well, little bit of total recall. Well, because we're going we're going through a time period in the real world here where dystopian sci-fi was big, really big, like yeah, really big. This was a big story, like a big big theme, and you know it was. I think it's reflective of where we were as a society at the time. You know, yeah. we were uh, in the throes 80s. of the Cold War at that time. You know, yeah, we still had the Cold War in full swing, um, coming off of the inflation crisis. Yep, uh, crime that was just rising exponentially that people thought were just going to reach absolute unattainable levels. To be clear, we are talking about 1988, not. Uh, 2022 <laughs> sorry yes. sorry uh, yes. i'll 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 yes. rain that back. Uh, <laughs> no, no. correct it's weird yeah. it's um, weird uh, anyway so uh, all that's to say is yes so there's a lot of dystopian sci-fi out there uh mm -hmm. judge dread robocop yeah um, yep blade runner mad max was all it is through that time it's and this and, movie at least in atlantis just oozes that because they stole that too. I, um, I stole it all. We meet a uh, Roris street vagabond. Well, oh. Roris, we are introduced Shank? to Shank, who I refer to young... in my notes as uh, Discount Helena Bottom Carter. Yes, yes. I was just going to say. <laughs> I was going to be like clearly very young Helena Bottom Carter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Bellatrix, you're wonderful. I didn't mean to cut you're you off very on that recognizable. one. You yep. No, I liked yours better. I liked yours better. Discount Helena Bonham Carter. Um, but yeah, who apparently kidnaps people off the street and sells them. And sells them. For uh, cage fighting, it looks like. Is that? Oh, I, a lot I didn't make that connection. I know there was the, I remember the cage fight scene. I didn't know that I didn't, it didn't occur to me that maybe that's what Shank was selling people for. So you have to listen to, if you go back like a third time and okay. <laughs> listen to a lot of the announcements and news reports and stuff that's being said in the background of these scenes. Some of which is brilliant. Yeah. Well, and it is, and you have to pay attention to it, but you're distracted by dumb dialogue see this is um, why this is why i want to do super mario brothers because i will make very similar arguments for that i think there is underlying brilliance to that movie 
but they, they talk about how there's been all these kidnappings and people going yes. missing and it's very weird. Uh, uh-huh. And like, there's been no statement. And then now we're hearing rumors of, of aliens and people coming from a supposed surface world. And the yep. government's very like, not going to say anything about kidnappings, but they're like, Oh, that no, no surface world. That's no surface oh, world. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, we meet Roris who yep. she definitely reminded me of one of the um oh what are they called one of the thing the replicants from blade runner oh oh uh, yeah she has uh it, her look is very reminiscent of um pris yes in, uh, in blade runner yep yes uh, although she, her hands and feet are painted blue i don't know if you caught that i wasn't sure I wasn't they, sure. yep uh, yeah, um, she also reminded me again, this is a shift back to like the Raiders of the Lost Ark feeling. She reminds me of Marion, like she owns a bar that, you know, and then takes in this kind of like vagabond in Gus and all that. And Who has burned her. Managed. Yep, exactly. With no explanation, but clearly they're still in love, I guess. I guess. Uh, he, by the end of the movie, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to her. She's all the treasure I need in my Australian <laughs> accent. Uh, you're, you're really sure where she stands yeah you know I, I, your gus impression will be the only gus impression we'll be using for this because it's perfect <laughs> it's perf- i'm not even going to attempt that's amazing um, um yeah no we have no idea where rora stands on all of on all of that yeah yeah again one more character that has uh very little in the way of proper like introduction and development they're just, just happens. They're there. Yeah. yeah. She just happens. Uh, but she is there to facilitate Kathy Ireland's beauty transformation. Okay. I So first note on this scene. Um, Kathy Ireland, after showering off, you know, ostensibly, we assume that's what's happened because she's wrapped in a towel, puts on shoes and socks before putting on any other form of clothing. She remains wrapped in a towel, but has pulled on her socks and her chucks. I don't know. <laughs> that was a choice. Uh, um, second, she gets up to this like mechanical thing that's supposed to improve your image. And, uh, first of all, just decides to put her face into it, which like, I, I, the, I, that is such a curiosity killed the cat moment. Like I, I maybe I am just too timid. I would never just put my face into a machine that says, put your face here. I don't feel good about it. Uh, the machine says it has done all it can. As though there is something about Kathy Ireland to improve upon. <laughs> like, this is this is where, again, they're trying to sell her as a nerd. I'm like, it's she was a model before this. This is not a, a your well, thought. I was, no, I, I rewatched this scene several times, actually, because I was like, what changes happened? I, and I think she gets eyeliner. I yeah, I'm like, clearly she gets some makeup. Um, it, it dries her hair. It does dry her hair, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. dries her hair, and that's wonderful. I'm going to assume it fixed her eyes because she lost her glasses, but clearly has no problem seeing the rest of the movie. And they make a big deal out of the fact that she lost her glasses. I just remembered that. Like, they, mm-hmm. she looks back and goes, my glasses. My glasses. Yep. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, maybe interesting. Okay. Oh, that's I was... fascinating. I didn't even think about that. 
but they, you know, there's Hollywood selling the idea of here's a quick fix to make you look better and like clearly like be better. And I mean, we've seen way better nerd to beauty transformations in the years since this movie. I, uh, the, the whole idea of the nerd to beauty transformation is so like cringy and reductive to begin with. But it the, it's the fact that Hollywood especially likes to lean on people who are, you know, by objective metrics, like if you were to take a look at the symmetry of their face, already probably fairly attractive, and that's their starting point. It's like I, it, the whole idea is it, it's uh, it's just uncomfortable. It's just uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Uh, thank God for high definition where I think it's getting a little bit harder to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah so she gets so wanda gets a makeover they're like we're gonna go look for your dad because and gus is like i'll help you because i can't do my crap until the morning uh so yep. i might as well Which, help you that raises a question they live underground how is there a morning and night cycle well they uh, they would have to have some sort of established cycle but I, I but this movie is not written well enough to create <laughs> a time cycle a for time a subterranean cycle. world. That's fair. Uh, okay. He'd be like at 18 florins, uh, the shop will open. Um, Dull ones, by the way, I just found the, uh, the currency speaking of it, florins, oh, okay. which I would have liked as a, uh, an hour keeper rather than morning and night. I'd have done Florence. I'd have been fine with Florence. Dolans is their, their currency. Okay. There you go. Um, so they go, they go have some, they go decide to have some food. Uh, Uh, it's disgusting, but it takes no time to prepare. They order it and it just comes right out, which I'm a fan of, uh, (laughs) like that's quick service. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to assume it was Friday night and yet Gus, who everyone knows, Found a yep. table, and the waitress, who's clearly excited to be there, takes their order, what? comes back in like two minutes. It, with food. Okay, so it's a it's a hoppin' Friday night, like you pointed out. Apparently, it is, because all that dancing. So how does discount Helena Bonham Carter get seated wherever she wants? She points and says, there. And they're like, oh yeah, sure, we'll we'll seat you there. And that's how she ends up sitting next to them so that she can jab Kathy Ireland. With a roofie. They might have an arrangement with her. She oh, might have oh, God. This, so this movie just took a dark turn. This is like, I mean, this, she's, is, this she's, is very, uh, this is gross. <laughs> yeah, you can get close to anyone and just stick them. Uh, oh, I'm not okay with it. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, but again, because this movie is like fireworks of crap, you don't take the time to like really break these thoughts down. No, because you're distracted a second later by Gus going to go make a phone call. I... <laughs> he is at a pay phone. He's at a pay phone and is arguing with somebody. <laughs> I mean, they clearly have an operator. Yes. And yes. Uh, so that was fantastic. Uh, but then yep. discount Helena Bonham Carter drugs Kathy Ireland. Yep. And takes her off to meet boss of bosses membino membino who might be my favorite character in this whole movie he's the only thing that i feel like is even mildly original is membino boss of bosses yes kind of except they look like they're the mob they absolutely like, do. they look like 30s mobsters 
yep. um, with their pinstripe suits. Yes. And just the makeup is askew or whatever's <laughs> going on there. Um, if I was Membino, I think I would be irritated all day long with those eyelashes. They are, <laughs> they, are they are eye prisons. Eye prisons. <laughs> you brought me an alien? I can't tell because I can't see anything. <laughs> I can't see anything. This section too, why does everybody say that Kathy Ireland is big boned? They keep coming back to the girl with big bones. This is a reference to how tall Kathy Ireland is. She's 5'10". She's way bigger than Mimbino. She's, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you Mimbino, but everybody else is at least on eye level with her. But that's unusual for a girl, I guess. Every, okay. She's made to look, especially in these scenes, she's made to look big. Okay. Like, they make her look impressive. When they lay her out on the table in presentation to Mimbino? Yeah, when they escort her through the crowd and present her to Mambino, like she looks gigantic. Okay. Uh, so it's very well done in that sense as being like, okay, she's a big girl, I guess like all the girls there are dainty. I don't know. I, or just short. Yeah. Or but just I mean, I, short. Yeah. Or she, I, um, I don't so know. She but, stands out because she's so, She's so big and unusual. Okay. Uh, may or may not be an alien. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's curious. I would, I, I would be more on board with this if she was six, five, sure. I would be, I'd be okay with big. I'd be like, okay, that, that makes sense. But five ten, above average for a woman, actually even above average for most males. I think average male height is like what? Five, nine. Or something, I think is what it is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Clearly above average, but I, I, I suppose, I don't know. It's kind of like when, you know, again, harken back to wizard of Oz, Dorothy yeah. lands in the munchkin kingdom. That's true. She towers over all these. Despite Judy these Garland people. being like five, two or something like that. Yeah. She's bigger than a lot of residents. Of that's Oz. That's a, that's um, a good point. All right. I, I, you know, tying it back to wizard of Oz, oddly enough, I accept that. I, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> if we look at it through the lens, lens of Wizard of, of a Wizard of Oz tribute, uh-huh. it's good. Um, we he, she she escapes. The uh-huh. drug wears off. She escapes, and in this we meet Charmin. Okay, uh, who's a street thug? Real quick, because she meets Charmin after she. Does her her change, doesn't she? Oh, right. Yeah, she does run and escape a little bit. The lottery goes out. Uh, the lottery, so she, yep. She goes and runs and changes and sells her Walkman. And her purse, which I, I have four notes in here. Her purse is a duck. It's a duck. <laughs> They've never seen a duck before. What's her duck? purse is a duck. And that's what, like, I, I kept looking at it. And that's why it's in my notes four times. I'm like, is her purse a duck? Her purse is a duck. I get more insistent with myself each time. <laughs> this last one just says her purse, period, is a duck, period. It's a duck purse. And I think she even calls it out when she's in her, like, new garb. Uh, she says, like, all it cost me was my Walkman and my, like, goofy purse or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I you also think that want was Kathy to... Ireland's purse? Do you think that was Kathy's purse? I wonder if it's just her wardrobe throughout the entire movie. 
I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I, it's, it's very hip. It's, you know, that, that kind of, you know, like young carefree look. I, I wonder how much of it is actually just her own clothes. And yes, I could, I could absolutely believe that she was walking around with a duck purse in, in the it, late eighties. Until she changes into the troll garb, which <sighs> I have a question about this. Are trolls a subspecies or are they a cast? I, I, almost like want to put them into the category of like a donkey i think they're pack animals that was my understanding okay i like i was kind of thinking about that too because we see like the one troll that's sleeping at the beginning and he does look like he's not entirely human yeah he's Uh, like a mule but yeah they uh, they just make some this movie has some some references to like turning people into trolls or reducing them to trolls or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's that throwaway line that didn't go anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> well, and speaking of I, I have I have notes in here about how this movie seems to be a sequence of things happening. And I'm not convinced any of them are leading towards a plot just yet. Sure. There's a lot of different threads of what could have been plot, but we only have an hour and 23 minutes. <laughs> okay. That's right. Moving on. <laughs> so she changes because she changes it out. Yep. She she puts on this this new garb because they're like, oh, this will help me hide. Gets found immediately. Immediately by Brick Bardo. That's the, the thug's name. Bardo. Brick yes. Bardo. And I was like, that is an excellent thug name. That is a great thug name. And Charmin decides to get involved because he's been slighted. Yep. Uh, that, uh, you know, he's Brick Bardo's assaulting a woman, whatever. But he ruffled his shirt. Yep. So clearly, clearly now, char- now the toilet paper guy has to step in. Um, he's Which basically I saw his name. I saw his name and I was like, OK, how are they going to pronounce this? Is it going to be Charmin or is it going to be Charmin? And it's it, Charmin. It is Charmin. Uh, it's true. We find out we have to go all the way to the end of the movie to find out he is supposed to be the Prince Charming character. And I was like, I, oh, so many thoughts on that because his thread total screen time, maybe five of the hour, 23 minutes. And yet he is, yes, supposed to be, I would argue for three, three and a half. You think, okay, I, (laughs) I would believe it. I'm not, I'm not going to, you're probably right. He's not on screen very long. No, he shows up like he saves her, whatever. And like, I guess falls for her in two minutes and says, he is, you he's run, Aladdin. I'm going to put myself, he's, he is a very Aladdin character. He is Aladdin like four uh, years before Aladdin, but yes, he's, he's like, I was going to go, uh, do some stuff. Not Rob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to do some stuff. Um, and then, but they clearly have a spark that, I didn't see Ignite, but apparently another time, another place and like have a quick kiss and that's it. Bye, Charmin. Yeah. I kept waiting for him to come back and be like, oh, but no, because Gus is the male hero protagonist for this film. Like he's one that helps facilitate her um, getting out of there in a very uh, heroic blunder. (laughs) Wonderful. But anyway, yeah. So they find her dad, her dad. Again, another thing of not developed very well, but the dad has apparently formed this rapport with one of the the, the console is which I'm like, this had some interesting intrigue potential that we did not like do anything with. 
but all all that we know is that like any scenes involving the dad is like the general is torturing him yeah and then we find out the console i guess took a different approach and got Mm -hmm. more information and basically his advice to the overlord is like look we just need to get these guys out of here uh they are too incompetent like let's just get them out of here it's not worth it to try to like do anything with this we need to take a moment though on this scene because uh first of all the overlord's chair spins nonstop. It never stops. It never stops. Even as he's talking, it's not like he pauses to look at anybody. He just continues to spin. It never stops. And I was like, why? And okay. Anyway. And it's a wide um, shot. It's a it's wide exactly. shot. Exactly. So I'm like, is he a golden baby? Like no, he just keeps just keeps spinning. Um and, and this is <laughs> This is where I had questions as this like starts to come together because you you point out the the general took one direction who it took me this late into the movie to realize that her eye patch is a peacock feather which I actually thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, general takes one direction, consul takes the other, but we don't come to understand this until this point. And the note that I have in in here is so there is a subplot developing where one villain is trying to d- betray the other. This is way too late to be developing new storylines. Like, how was this not set out from the get-go? We're now introducing a new plot thread. Like, a kind of critical one, because it leads to how they escape. Yes. Which, once you see this plot thread, um, it kind of spoils what's going to happen later. Because it's very obvious. Very obvious. But, by this point in the movie, there's only, like, five minutes left. It's, it is, it is... On its way. It's, it's, um, it is moving along. So pausing for a second, since we only have five minutes in the movie left, I, I, w- I want to discuss something here. The question that I have posed is, does Wanda actually have any agency in this movie beyond beginning when she chooses to actually go look for her father? So she makes that choice, right? The whole thing with Wanda is that she's awkward and uncomfortable and nerdy. She's afraid of everything. We're supposed to see her grow into this more confident, you know, able human being, supposedly. So we see her make the initial choice to go to Africa, which is a a, a huge step outside her her comfort zone. After that, things just sort of happen to her. So I again in in the realm of how well is this movie or how well is it not written, do we actually see any growth out of this characters? Because if the writers are are self-aware, like this is written as a satire. I actually think they really fucked this up because they had an opportunity to legitimately grow the character, but then maybe it would have made this a good movie and not an unremarkable one. It, they, they ran out of time because her, her time to really kind of come into her own would have been in front of the high overlord. That's like, that's a good point. And when she had that reunion with her father to be like, dude, what the fuck? Um, and instead, it's almost like like she gets there, she's reunited with him, and he's just like, what are you doing here? Yeah. It's very, like, he's very, like, oh, Stand yeah, off you. Right. And, and then decides, oh, no, I love my daughter, honey. And yeah. that is just like, come on. Uh, right. They drop all these little, these little camera shot moments where you think there's going to be maybe more story development involving the mom. Um, yep. 
And like the dad never even gives a throwaway line like, oh, you remind me of your mother or like there's, yeah. like there's nothing. So I'm like, why did we show these like photographs of the mom and dad? And, right. Like this other crap, like, come on. And it, it, instead you have. Oh, so this was my other favorite scene, by the way, <laughs> rewinding a, a minute there where um, Gus is with his professor friend and he's like, well, now I've got to go find where Wanda is. And then she rolls by in a tank and she's like, hi, Gus. <laughs> hi, Gus. Like, uh, hi, Wanda. That <laughs> moment is hysterical. <laughs> it it's was... not it doesn't fit in like a comedic moment. It's not done right to be intentionally comical. I don't know, but it is hysterical. <laughs> it is. It is absolutely wonderful. Um, which I, I actually uh, had a note a little bit earlier when she is arrested and we see all the troopers marching in, that is fully the flying monkeys uh, moment oh, in wizard of yes. Oz. It is yes. like right on for that. And then yes, she rolls by in a tank uh, arrested at this point and just it like she could see him moving at that speed. She's like, Oh, there's my friend. Hello. <laughs> it's very much just like, hi, how are you? He's just like, <laughs> this moment what do i do what do i do <laughs> this is just like he was caught up in the bizarre moment uh, and then he's to... like i gotta go save her right right I, I i do need to quickly point out because he's with his professor friend at this point um the the odd symmetry that they do in this movie again so there is a scientist on the surface who is searching for the center of the earth and there's a scientist at the center of the earth who is searching for the surface and their and... Peer, respective peers are telling them they're crazy Exactly. Yeah. Which also, interestingly enough, the underground scientist has a full head of hair and a beard and the surface professor is balding and clean shaven. So I just wanted to point those two things out because I that think is, this is another is moment of brilliance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's that's very true. Um, OK, so anyway, Wanda is brought before the overlord. Before, yes, as he spins, uh, <laughs> as he spins <laughs> and he's like, it's going to be depend on you to determine like how all this is going to go. Wanda has this in the back. Like she's good. Like we talk yes. about the moment where like a person, she could stand apart and like be her own person. Like you think that this is going to be that moment. And it looks like yep. it's heading that way. The fucking Gus fucks it up. Just barrels yes. in there. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and then <laughs> like, okay, guess we got to kill people. <laughs> um, yeah. So now everybody's going to get executed. <laughs> right um which is is fitting because the overlord is wearing like a very uh louis uh head dress there uh yes um, that wig is absolutely it, it is full yes uh-huh um, yep so then everybody's like trying to escape i had to watch it a second time just to understand how the escape happens for me to understand oh subterranean professor has a device that can reach the surface. Got it. Yep. Uh, his his balloon. Yes, his his wizard's balloon, if you will. <laughs> uh, and then some last minute uh, intrigue and double crossing. Uh, yeah, was was nice. Except you could see that coming. Exactly. It was completely. It was completely broadcast. Yes, like we we was. knew this was going to happen, and and it and it, it still baffles me that the console lets them go. The the note that I have was, 
and they let them go back to the surface with just a promise question mark like what happens if they break that promise because it seems to me it would mean that the atlanteans would be straight fucked but there is no consequences for the people that they let go back to the surface so the console's just like yeah promise that you won't tell anybody about us and they're like oh yeah no, we, we won't don't worry like <laughs> he's a trusting man the console well i i would argue that he kind of looked at everything and he was like because the general wants to go to war she's like let's go yep. up there and just like and he's just like absolutely not we will yep. get destroyed like there's yes. no way uh i would have argued it would have made good sense just to execute the aliens from la uh, uh probably would have but, been the easiest thing for the society but but maybe too many people saw them i don't know like <laughs> it serves the console's ends in some form that we never get to see right that's true that, that that's, we yep. that we don't know what happens from there um and you know gus is like i'm gonna go try to win roris back she's all the treasure i need and of you're like oh wow that's cool it was refreshing because like he's not a romantic interest which is good he's he's yep. a bit old of her he's but a bit old uh-huh that never stopped hollywood before uh, uh, uh. So, <laughs> but you're like you're like okay uh cool that's interesting that yep. she does not have to end up with gus a, a love uh, yep. of some kind goes back to earth thinks At she had a crazy dream so i i might be jumping ahead here because yeah we get the i actually my note is jesus fucking christ this is a wizard of oz send up because yeah it's it's all been a dream um we get back to the beach and this is like the transformation scene right where yes it's the new version of this character. But the note that I have is, and suddenly at the end of the movie, Kathy Ireland has transformed into Kathy Ireland. Like what actual change do we see in her at this point? The, so I'm going to argue, this is the most believable scene in the movie. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. Um, it's the most believable because I absolutely believe that a guy like Robbie would be like, she went to Africa. Did she do it to get me back? Uh, yes. Like, I, uh, yep, yeah, no. dude. Yeah. Spot on. That's, you are absolutely yep. right. Girls <laughs> will go to Africa to find their missing fathers just to get back together. Oh, no. Yep. Uh, okay. You know, yep. and there's only now two weeks of August left. I don't know. Ooh, uh, exactly. How long did this take? Yeah. Well, let's remember um, the Atlantean... Uh, fix all your superficial woes machine. Uh, mm. we, we, we established it must have fixed her glasses. Maybe the makeup's permanent. Like maybe the just oh, made her uh, face like that now. Okay. That's, um, yep. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're meant to believe that now Wanda has newfound self-confidence and is just not afraid to take her shirt off at the beach. Like she'll go full bikini at the beach now. Yep. She's okay uh, with it. Maybe she never did before. Maybe was, oh, and, and this is like, no, and that it. constitutes character growth apparently. Oh, disgusting. Yes. In, <laughs> in Malibu Beach, that's character growth, baby. <laughs> that's disgusting. Uh and so he's all like, "Oh, well, let me take you out." And yeah, she's like, "But I still have the same voice." And in a again, another very believable moment, a guy will be like, "That's fine." Yeah, I get it. That's fine. Yeah, I can point. deal with that for a minute. Yep. Uh and but yeah, she blows him off 
in a very comical way. Everybody's very proud of her. Uh Uh, And then this guy comes rolling up on a motorbike. And he's new in town. And he's new in town. He's from another time. Uh, Another time. Another Another place. place. (laughs) It's toilet paper guy. But he's blonde now. Yeah, he, he did have a hair color change. And she's just like crazy. Freeze frame. I know. And that's it. <laughs> the end. And we're and, supposed and, to. We're and supposed that's just to it. That's the end of the story. They lived happily ever that's after. Nope. We're halfway through a chapter, dude. This is not the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, whether they ran out of film or money, possibly both, that is it. It is. That, we are. We have arrived at the end of this. Is, that is Alien from L.A. Uh, what? So if we look <laughs> at it, if we look at it as a mainly Wizard of Oz okay. riff. Yep. I, I think uh, it's probably the most appropriate. Yes. It's probably the best one over yep. a journey to the center of the earth riff. Yes. Um, it's, I think it makes it a little more compelling of a story. Okay. If you, that's, if you look at it in those lens. That's interesting. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. That's uh, <laughs> that's a, not point. a lot of people have revisited the like wizard of Oz. No, story. it's, I, but it's, I, I would argue nobody's revisited because it was done so well the first time. Why would you? Right. I, and so this, well, this and if was people do wizard of Oz. They do wizard of Oz. That's true. Yep. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, yep. But like th- this was somebody going, Oh, we could do that, but you know, eighties. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, big clothes. Uh, big you clothes. Know, the first science fiction. Doom. <laughs> Some uh, the mob. <laughs> exactly, no. and the mob. <laughs> Only this time, Dorothy's going to have a love interest. Um, <laughs> but he's not really that important. So you know, whatever. Uh, yes. So. The amount of us, the amount of plot threads that never come together, they just have zero bearing on the ultimate conclusion. Exactly. Uh, and so that's why it is willing to argue that this is a bad movie, but it could have been a good one. I, there is, there is, I, I think what's because this does feel like you're saying like a, a riff on wizard of Oz, because it does feel very satirical in places. I, I, it is hinting at being a good movie in sort of an ironic way, but it is, it's knocking on that door, but I would agree. It falls short. It is probably solidly in the, the camp of a bad movie. Um, although it's, it's not so bad as to be like rememberable. I know that's not a word, but, um, Mem- th- thank you. <laughs> memorable. That's that's better. Um, it's not so bad as to be memorable. You know, like I, there are there are bad movies that I can think of that are just so bad that they leave an impression. I I mean, it's it's been a couple of years since I watched Alien for from L.A. when when we did it for this. But I like going back and revisiting. And I was like, I remember the first five minutes of this movie. I did not remember anything thereafter. It's just unremarkable kind of bad. And I think that's why it, it actually is. A, it's it's a, an adequate title for for the series because it's so unremarkable. Although yeah. your first impression out of it is how will I ever forget this? 
And then within 30 minutes, you're like, who is Gus again? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so no, thinking about this film now as yep. being perfectly forgettable. Um, <laughs> yes. But nodding at the, 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 the potential that could have been. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a segment that we're going to do. Uh, yes. For each film that we discuss, uh, called prequel, sequel, or reboot, mm -hmm. and so uh, pretty self-explanatory. To revisit the Alien from a L.A. franchise, <laughs> would you make a sequel to explore what that happily ever after was? Mm -hmm. Would you do a prequel to kind of set up these characters? Maybe discuss why Mom got hit by a car. Does that somehow tie to Atlantis that we don't know? Or would we just like remake this movie entirely? So initially my first thoughts were, I want to see a sequel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I want to take another like, you know, stone cold Jules Verne classic and use that as the backdrop for a sequel to Alien from LA. The more I reflected on it though, I really think that this movie should just get rebooted because I, I think it's the perfect candidate for a reboot. Most reboots that happen are movies that nobody actually wants to see rebooted. Like they're, it's either too soon. Like I, I think of all the Spider-Man reboots that have happened lately. Like, you know, we reboot things that nobody necessarily, I think it's done simply just because it, it, somebody's like, it'll make money. Right. I think a reboot should be saved for something that like almost lived up to its potential, but then just didn't. And I think alien from LA is in that camp. I think that they're, is odd potential in this. Um, and that if it were done either falling more solidly in the camp of this is a riff on wizard of Oz and it is simply inspired by, or more solidly in the camp of this is absolutely a satire. And we're going to make it a little bit more clear that there's like a jokiness to it. It could have succeeded as either one of those with a little bit more effort and probably a little bit more of a budget. So my vote on this is going to be reboot. Okay. Okay. Well, so you're correct. Uh, it turns <laughs> out this is well. It turns out this is a film that actually has a right or wrong answer because I was looking into it. Uh, Ryan, there is a sequel. There's a sequel. There is a sequel. Um, the sequel is called Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, uh it came out <laughs> the same year or maybe a year later um here's the thing it's a sequel because um there was a movie being made that actually got scrapped and then that studio was like oh no we put money into this we need to finish it so they hired the director of alien from la to come in and finish the movie and he took the footage and basically made it a sequel and that movie is supposedly really bad. Whoa. But it supposedly Whoa. continues this story with the Atlanteans wanting to go to war. Uh, Wanda shows up at some point. Like he brought Kathy Ireland in. I, this. I, I just pulled it up. I found it on IMDb. And oh my God, there is Kathy Ireland reprising a role of Wanda Sek Newsom. Yes. No uh, way. Okay. I was like, that's nuts. I should watch this. And then uh, everything very quickly was like, no, it's bad. Don't no. watch it. Yeah, that, that uh, might this be. This movie is actually unwatchable. Uh, <laughs> but it's on Tubi if you want to try. I might. Uh, I might. 
so yeah um i but i would say i would say reboot like if you want to again this story has a lot of separate threads that could be very engaging if they were developed some of it is very formulaic especially by this point in time yeah you're like oh we could probably see where this movie was going to go but the road to get there could be really cool yes um and especially if you take it as a like modern dystopian telling of wizard of oz i love that i actually think that that has potential to it i think that that idea is really cool yeah so um maybe we'll do it maybe kathy will come in uh and do a cameo because that's what you do with reboots is you bring in you the gotta bring the, the original <laughs> gotta got bring him back uh, in yep deep Roy can just reprise his role he's still he's still sparking still around Hollywood. that's true yeah he i don't think do you can have anyone else no be, as men be no boss of bosses yes. yeah yeah, huh? um, yeah we would probably have to cast helena bonham carter as uh, shank yes we'll oh, be like there's no question we'll we'll develop that role to be worthy of her and yes pay her absolutely. way too much money for this <laughs> um i mean th- that actually brings up a question do you think this would be a bitch and tim burton movie well with the cast that's already in it and based on like the the cosmetics of the movie as it exists it is it is a heartbeat away from a Tim Burton movie. I mean, I, if you would tone down the red and it had been more blue lighting instead of like red lighting throughout, I think it would look like a Tim Burton movie. I think it is borderline already there. Yes. Like I, I, I would almost be curious to take like all the raw footage from it and be like, Tim, what do you think? And he'd be like, well, the music's got to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm give Danny a call. See if Danny Elfman can Danny Danny will take care make of it. Make me some new uh uh because the music, uh the nonstop background music, especially in the first part of this movie, is just it's a little too intense for what's happening. It's distracting. It's it thinks, yeah, it obviously thinks very highly of itself. It it really does. They they spent a lot on I mean, between that and getting the rights to Yoda's theme, they probably spent more on the soundtrack than they did the rest of the movie. No, no, it's not Yoda's. It's not Yoda's. <laughs> it's not under pressure. Mine goes dun 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 dun. <laughs> All right, Vanilla Ice. Uh, it's yeah. I think a uh, very interesting movie to start with. Uh, Absolutely, very ridiculous movie. Really ridiculous. Yeah. To start with, um, do we have any final thoughts? or uh, things we want to bring up about this movie and its contribution to society. I mean, I, I think we have covered a lot of what needs to be covered as far as this film goes. Um, <laughs> like, I, I've, I have all kinds of other scattered notes, but I think in terms of discussing this and really deconstructing it, I think that this is, this is a good place to leave it for this first one. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Cool. I dig it. I think we... Uh... I think we covered some good ground here. I think this was a good inaugural podcast that uh, I agree. The timer here. We're clocking in an hour and 19 minutes. I know this went on much longer than I was expecting it yeah. to, but I I'm, I'm good I with it. <laughs> less than half that time. Um, but yeah, we had we'll a lot to say. We, we did. Well, there's a lot to say about great. this. Yeah. For an unremarkable movie, there was a lot to say about it. So <laughs> that's cool. Uh, I can't wait to see what we, what we do next. And me too. Whenever we decide to upload this, hopefully, um, people will dig listen to it and maybe one day we'll get feedback and 
we will take ad breaks and talk about mattresses and websites and uh, Raid Shadow Legends. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> that what, whatever else. Uh, Manscaped. We'll have to. Have to that's ad that's another one. Podcast. That, yeah, exactly. All the all the ad breaks. Yeah, no, I uh, I think we have some great um, potential uh, in in the lineup. You know, I, I threw out a couple earlier um, before we recorded this. With I think uh, I still think Kroll, um, the Jason Momoa, Conan the Barbarian is uh, perfectly adequate it's fine there's nothing exciting about that you've got a couple in in your list uh which i'm i'm like spinning back to like lost Ske- uh, skeleton of cadavra uh, mulan 2 which I, is an amazing idea the rundown that's a i think that one's gonna fit very nicely and i mean we should we should mention before we sign off the tent pole and maybe this is our gonna be our season one finale is blue crush that's what this whole idea was founded we on. are we are building toward blue crush uh yep. we're, it's not going to be coming right away probably not going to be for a few episodes uh but that that is our magnum opus is, it blue is. Crush. so uh listeners if we have any there'll be a few out there <laughs> check in uh take a listen and I uh, hope you hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Alien from a- L.A. and an aggressively OK kind of bad film. And, yes. Uh, tune in next time for our next perfectly forgettable cinematic. <laughs> <laughs>